Welcome to the Athletic Nerd Podcast with me, your host, Alex Young. And today, I wanted to talk about being a student athlete and um, just in general, uh, not only being a student athlete, but what I've noticed um, as far as people growing up in sports and how that may or may not reflect how they... um, how their life plans out, and I'll, I'll explain that a little bit in depth later, but I first and foremost want to talk about myself growing up in uh, high school, I'm currently out of high school, I'm incoming freshman in college, um, but my experience with being a student athlete, so for those of you who are just regulars to the Athletic Nerd Podcast, uh, you'll know that I was a uh, football player and a basketball player my freshman year of high school, so as far as my grades during that time, they were kind of sloppy. I believe I had um, two C's during my basketball season. It was just probably the worst time um, because I was an incoming freshman at a private preparatory school that was extremely difficult. It We, we essentially got the work of a college student, and it was very difficult, and it was tough. Um, so while I was trying to acclimate to that, I was having practices sometimes as late as at 7 o'clock at night and getting out at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And it was extremely tough. Um, it just wasn't the... It, it just wasn't the right scenario. Um, I didn't end up playing basketball or football the next year, partly due to the fact... Not, that wasn't the main reason, but partly due to the fact that I knew... I couldn't manage my grades and um, do basketball or football at the same time. It just wasn't going to happen. So that was a struggle for me. Um, the the what entails a struggle. So like I'm I'm a very by the book. I like to do things the same way over and over again because that's how I think results are produced. So if we have practice at two thirty right after school until four. I think that's perfect. I think you, if you just get it out of the way, you know, right after school, you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day, and that's great. For basketball and football, the, well, not necessarily, fo- football was like 2.30 to 4. So usually it wasn't that bad. It was just more or less right after school. We'd get out at like 4 or 5 o'clock. So that wasn't as bad. I could still do my homework um, and get it done. With basketball, however, the times fluctuated. Sometimes we practice at seven. Sometimes we practice at two. Sometimes we practice at four. Sometimes we practice at five, and so on, so on and so forth. But it it was just tough. Um, that that all over the place because I didn't have a set time to do schedule, um, do homework. And homework is probably the hardest part of a student's job because going to school is not hard. Learning the materials that you learn in school, for me, for some people, it is, it is pretty hard. But for me, it isn't hard. What's hard for, me, for students, for me especially, is being forced to learn the material at your house when all you want to do is rest. That is hard. So, when I can't, as for me, once again, I like doing things the same thing the same way over and over again. I couldn't really get my homework done. It was really a struggle. So 
again, I had two C's at that time, and I actually had to skip spring season that year because my grades were crap. And I said to myself, no, no one else told me this. I just said to myself, you need to get your grades right. And I ended up, you know, getting those C's to B's, and it was all good. But it was just really a learning experience for me um, just on learning to manage your time wisely. For, um, and how my body and brain works when it comes to just repetition and how to get things done. For my sophomore year, I ended up running cross country because one of my AAU coaches for basketball was like, bro, you, <laughs> I've never told anyone this. Um, He was like, you got to stay off the fried chicken. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you got to stop eating fast food, bro. Like, you, if you want to get better, you know. You gotta stop eating that stuff because you, you're not you. You can only play for five minutes and then you get too tired. Um. And I said to myself, I didn't, I didn't um take what he said to heart. I was just like, okay, that's weird. Whatever, that's a weird way to explain that. Um, but I ended up learning the diet plan later. Um, I've talked about that a little bit about that in past um podcast episodes. So. For those of you who aren't aware of that, just go back to my past podcast episodes. But I said to myself, I want to go fast. <laughs> That's the Sonic the Hedgehog reference for those of you who didn't get it. Um, I wanted to be a fast guy. I just wanted to... That, that was the thing for me. Um, I don't know why this is, but I relate more to anime characters and like video game characters than I do to real life figures. So like for example... The reason that I wanted to run cross-country in my sophomore year was because of Sonic the Hedgehog. I grew up, like, playing Sonic the Hedgehog, and I wanted to be fast like him. I didn't end up wanting to lift weights until I saw Izuku Midoriya, otherwise known as Deku from My Hero Academia, just lift weights in every other scene. That guy's just always grinding. And I said to myself, you know, I want to do that. I want to start lifting weights. I want to get stronger, just like Deku. So... I started doing that, and that was because of Deku. I had, like, seen Kyrie Irving. I had seen, like, LeBron James, and those are both very strong individuals on their own, right? One more tactful, one more just reliant on strength. But they don't motivate me to to just go ahead and work out. It's weird, but that's just how my mind works. So back to the sophomore year, I ran cross-country, um... Practices were from 2.30 to 4, so that really wasn't an issue for me. Um, Cross country is very different from basketball and football in the sense that football and basketball, you know, you do a lot of preconditioning workouts to get yourself ready during the season. Um, Usually during the season, you know, you're probably just doing a lot of sprints, depending on what position you play, and it's a lot of, like, hands-on skills, learning plays, getting better as a basketball player. So, during basketball, it wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't necessarily conditioning workouts, although we did do a lot of suicides and sprints, I do remember that, but it was more along the lines of, okay, we're going to take, like, 100 shots today, we're going to work on, um, defensive positioning and um, learning to play help defense and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different. With the cross-country season, I came in and I wasn't learning any playbooks. I was just told to put one foot in front of the other and try and finish first. That's what I was told. So 
I did that. <laughs> and it was actually a pretty fun experience. Um, I still have some videos of me from sophomore year just um, goofing around during the cross-country season. And it was actually pretty... Um, it, it's, it's a memorable experience for me because it was the first time in my life um, I ever felt like a part of something as far as sports goes. Um, in my life, you know, I talk about this a little bit, but I've been bullied a lot. I really haven't. I really can't say that I fit in in a whole lot of places in like my life, but cross country season during sophomore year was definitely the place where, again, I weighed like 186 pounds, 180 pounds, probably at that point, like 180, um, eating McDonald's three times a week. It, and it was just tough. I wasn't taught how to eat correctly, but, um, it didn't really matter to the cross country team. It was just like, as long as you, you know, do your sets and you show up, it doesn't matter how fast you go. As long as you don't wuss out of the workouts, you know, you're a part of the family. And just remember, remember <laughs> remembering fondly of uh, pasta parties and just having a good time, man. And it was, I, I appreciate, you know, what the cross-country team really did for me because I would not be the person physically or mentally that I am today without them. So I really appreciate that. But, um... Student athlete, as far as work goes, from sophomore and junior year especially, after I got out of um, cross-country practice, I would go straight to the library. And from four to six, I would go to study, do my homework, vocab workshop, shout out my vocab workshop guys, and um, just do that. Come home, eat a little bit, from like seven to like nine, almost 10 o'clock, I would do even more homework. I probably got like six to seven hours of homework a night because it was preparatory school, but I got acclimated to that and I was used to it. So it wasn't too, too bad. Um, indoor track season was a little bit different my sophomore year. Um, the the thing with um, indoor track is I, I live in a very um, um, cold area, so there's obviously snow, so we would go to practice from 2:30 to 4 but it was it was just like a it was a different vibe um tracks very different from cross country i would cross country is about being able to go 45 miles an hour and then be able to switch it to 60 for like 3 quarters of a mile and then being able to go back to 45 Maybe even 35 just for a little bit. Versus track was a lot more conditioning work. It was a lot of just jumping jacks, jumping rope, um, sp like stair work, um, sprints. It was very different from uh, cross country. And I didn't, it, I wasn't in pain, but it was. it's just a different vibe. Cross country and then the track are two completely different things. Um, I think we went on like maybe one distance run a week. It was a lot of sprint workouts versus um, cross country where you would probably go on a dis uh, distance run like three times a week. So it was definitely a different vibe. When I came out of uh, track, I definitely remember hanging out a little bit more with my boys. 
Um, the the track team was definitely smaller than cross country season. Um, it, it's just like it was it was just different. Um, it was more focused on individual accomplishments versus like team accomplishments because that's what's more important to win a track meet. You just need to f- place top one or top two. And you'll be all right. In cross country, the whole squad needs to be nice. You could have the best runner in your area on your team. But if everyone else is trash, it doesn't really matter because they're going to win the meet. Um, So, but again, balancing during distance running, balancing um, my extracurriculars during distance running um, seasons weren't that bad. Volleyball was um, the, the year... Because I only did volleyball for one season, where I was like, "Oh boy, here we go again." Because it was the same thing with basketball. I didn't like it, like the fact that it wasn't right after school. I couldn't get my homework done, and it was just kind of a struggle. So, I um actually had to go to extra help. I remember going to chemistry, which I actually believe it or not was one of my strong points during high school, and because it, it was just a lot of memorization. And say to my teacher, you know, I need help. Like, can you go over this topic? Um, and she was just like, yeah, no problem. Like, I can come come out to school. Just come out to school and I'll revise it with you. And that, it wasn't, like, it doesn't sound that serious. Like, now, um, just me saying it aloud. But it was just a very strenuous time for me because I was like, damn, like, I haven't had this type of struggle since freshman year. Like, is this going to keep happening? Um, I met a bunch of friends on the volleyball team that I still talk to to this day, and I would not be the man that I am today without the volleyball team. So I don't regret playing volleyball as a student athlete. Um, I think my grades took a little bit of a hit, but was it worth it? For sure. A hundred percent. I made friends that I still talk to to this day, and that's because of volleyball. So I wouldn't change anything, but volleyball was a was a little bit harder just because of the scheduling and um, trying to manage all of that stuff. So junior year was the season where I did um, distance running year-round. So again, cross-country, indoor track, same thing. Outdoor track was a little bit different. Um, During the outdoor season, we would have to take the bus to the stadium, right? So we would go to the stadium because we we didn't... Um, my school, unfortunately, did not have their own stadium for a track. So we would go to the neighboring uh, school stadium to practice. So we would have to bus over there. It'd be like 3 o'clock. From like 3 to 3, uh, 4 o'clock would um, be doing sprints like four eight hundreds and stuff like that. And then we would come back on the bus... And I'd get to the school at like 4.35 o'clock. Take into consideration that it was hot outside. So like I actually, like not hot, hot, like not 90 degrees, but like it was warm. It was like 60 degrees and allergies were coming out. So it was a mixture of, oh, I want to be outside now. And also, oh, geez, I'm allergies. <laughs> um, definitely a struggle during that period of time, just... Because I, when you have allergies, for those of you who have allergies, you know what I'm talking about, you get very frustrated and tired really easily. So I, I remember myself not necessarily because when I had practice, 
And I would come back from the stadium and it'd be like five o'clock. I'd be like, damn, I should probably just wait for my parents and, you know, we could figure this out later. But, um, it was just, it was not the best time to be a student athlete for me. Um, again, I still maintain grades, you know what I mean? I still, oh, I could probably do this in homeroom. Oh, you know, I'll do A, B, and C and leave D for lunch and then do it before fifth period. You know what I mean? So I would get my work done. Don't get me wrong. But it was just very hard um, for me because of the allergies just to be a student athlete. It was just kind of tough. Senior year was... um, (sighs) Senior year was tough. And I'm I'm not going to just talk about... This has to do with being a student athlete. I genuinely think senioritis exists. Here's the thing. I am Hispanic. I have Hispanic parents. Hispanic parents won't let you slip your grades because you, you're, the punishment is going to be tough. So, senior year during all my seasons was a bit of what I like to call autopilot mode. Autopilot mode is me getting four A's and three B's. I, I can do that. I've gotten to the point to where I can do that. Even though I took AP and honors classes, I could do it and just stay on autopilot and not, you know, do your homework, obviously. When I say autopilot, I mean not stressing. So, like, for example, I had a history class my sophomore year that was ridiculously hard. Everyone in the class could agree with me. It was just like A push. Honors Modern World, it was um, Honors Modern World slash pre-A push, right? So when you were in A push, man, it was just, you have to remember every little thing because that could be on the quiz. I remember like spending a solid two and a half hours making Quizlets every single night for the quizzes that we have and studying really hard. And I I didn't go to that extent. I really hope I, when I get to college, I don't have to go to that extent again. But if I do, it is what it is. But I really hope because knowing that the cultivator of tobacco was John Rolfe doesn't help me. It really doesn't help me unless I'm on Jeopardy and they're like, who's the cultivator of tobacco? And I'm like, John Rolfe. And they're like, oh, you, you won. But other than that, it's not going to really help me in life. You know what I mean? I think memorization is great when it comes to languages and stuff like that. But knowing that they they came on the Mayflower and off the boat in 1776, or that's just what the Hamilton song says. I just remember 1776. So that was just an important year when it came to, um, you know, America and the founding of America, if you will. Um, it, it's not that helpful. You know what I mean? So, I never went to that extent. However, it's hard to explain. I did my work. I did my homework. I paid attention in class. But I was most certainly leaving some of my math assignments for homeroom. And leaving some of them for my study. And leaving some of them for, uh, excuse me leaving some of them for lunch. <clears throat> that was definitely something I was doing. So, senioritis, I guess for me, 
wasn't necessarily me not doing my homework. It was me doing my homework at the, at the last second because I got lazy. Again, still finished well. Everything got done. Um, you know, it's hard to explain. Like, because I don't want, I would not call myself lazy at all. Not at all. The th- um, what I would say is that I think the education system is broken. It's one of the things in America that really hasn't been changed. Like the skeletal um, built, like makeup of the education system hasn't been changed. And I think that we are learning stuff that isn't that important to us. You, you, if you get, if you catch my drift, um, as a computer science major, um, incoming computer science major, it was important that I took geometry. However, I don't think that the education system starts early enough in in developing ch- like like people's gifts. My gift is that I can talk, um, whether that be alone in my room, or whether that be um, with other people. That is my gift. The education system did not help me figure out that gift. I figured that gift out on my own. If the education system stopped worrying about me trying to know what the definition of a true bit conflagration is versus me knowing what my passion is in life, we'd have a lot more happier people in this world. And we wouldn't have this scenario that we have right now that people are taking out $250,000 in loans for college, for college, um, for college degrees and accumulating all this debt and then taking out another $350,000 loan for, um, a house. And I think people really don't realize that like a degree is not, I'm sorry, we just went from student athlete to me thinking what the value of a degree is. So I'm sorry that I'm switching tracks, but I want to talk about this. A degree is a leg up. It is not a be all end all. I, I, I like to think of it as a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite to get a good job. As a computer science major, I'm hoping to find a job that pays me $57,000 a year. I know a bunch of people, actually at my job that right now that I work, I get paid 12 an hour. Um, I know a bunch of people that are getting paid 12 an hour a year and, you know, some love their lives. They love what they do and, you know, salute to them. Some people hate their lives because this was the best job that they could get with the work that they've put in in their lives. Those people would not be there if it was because if it if the education system actually cared about developing talent. Because I know how to do the Pythagorean theorem does not necessarily mean I will be hired as a computer scientist, right? It doesn't necessarily mean I'll be guaranteed a job. But if we focus less on that and we focus more on developing talent, and I'm really stressing this, 
we would just be better off. The people who I work with now, if the education system was different, I wouldn't be working with them. I would be working with people who love to help other people. Instead, I'm working with people who this was the best job that they could get. You know what I mean? I'm 18 years old and I work with people who are 25, almost 30 years old, you know, just stuck in this kind of phase, if you will, because A, they don't want to work hard enough to, you know, to get and do better off and B, they just really haven't been seared on the right path because I, like, I'll give you a perfect example. I have a coworker who can just really write. He's a really good writer. However, because of just like self-confidence issues and because the education system really doesn't focus on creative writing, he, he hasn't done anything with his gift and his talent. And he's almost 24 years old. You know what I mean? Um, great writer. I've read some of his stories and I think he could do really good stuff. But he hasn't been helped. You could say to yourself, Alex, it's on you to do like what your passion. It's on you to do what you love. And I'm going to tell you that you just what you just said is absolute crap. Because the only reason I know to do what I love was because someone else believed in me. And I took that belief and I rolled with it. I listened to Logic's The Incredible True Story and I felt that belief. I listened to Les Brown's Motivational Tracks and I had belief. I listened to Gary Vee told me I need to get up off my ass and I need to start working. And I took that belief. And I'm going to end it off with that. I think society's values are like so twisted. I think the fact that we value someone who has plastic surgery done to look more beautiful is messed up. I think the fact that we value someone with a 4.5 GPA over a person who just has a 3.3 GPA, but also just a really nice person, is messed up. But hey, that's it, it just is what it is. And when the next stock market crashes and then people start blaming the colleges, college degrees worth are, is going to be um, downsized because p the people are going to blame the colleges for giving all, all this money. So my real question is, and I'm going to end this off, and please answer this in the comment section if you feel like you have a, an opinion about this. Are college degrees going to have a place in the next five to ten years you know what i mean because we're people owe so much money that and because of interest as well interest is crazy some people have 20 percent interest from owing from sally may and the banks is it um is it worth it to get a college degree in the next 20 years Leave your thoughts and comments in the description. I'm sorry if this was off the walls. I really just wanted to flow and flow with the stream of consciousness. If you have any comments or concerns, let me know in the comment section below. You can subscribe to me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Young Media. I'm posting content every single day on there, so feel free to let me know. Other than that, have a great day. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to the Athletic Nerd Podcast with me, your host, Alex Young, and today 
I want to talk about Apex Legends and whether or not there's a problem with it. So, Season 2's come out. People are playing as Watson. Every squad has a Watson. It's great. Um, the only thing is, is that I feel like there's a problem in the Apex Legends community. And that is the servers. So, I have a bunch of friends who I, you know, would play Apex Legends with. And they would always complain about the server. And they're like, EA, fix your servers, blah, 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 blah. And I would say one important thing that would shut them up immediately. And I said to them, guys, you can't leverage with a free resource. Translation, you didn't pay anything for this. Team Respawn, who um, is owned by EA, bought out by EA, did not charge you at all to pay for this game. I, again, I've talked about this story before, but on Instagram, I was talking with someone the other, um, I think it was last month, who spent $500 on Apex Packs. This was season one, by the way, when there was like barely anything to buy and still didn't get the Wraith um, skin. EA didn't require you to buy that to get better at the game. EA simply um, offered this to you, and people get hooked, and then they spend all their money on these packs. Granted, yes, this is a serious problem. This is a problem that needs to be um, dealt with, and I don't think it will, but I'll talk about this later. But it, it's a problem that needs to be dealt with, because I, I've... Literally, um, the other day, it took me 30 minutes to get in a game with me and all my friends because what the, what EA servers were doing, um, was translating only two members of our party into the game. And we had to reset our PlayStation 4s multiple times. We had to like come in and out of parties and we were trying everything and it just wasn't letting all of us go into a game. And then finally, 30 minutes later, it finally led us into the game, and then it was no longer a problem. Again, I can't be mad at EA for this. Because, no, Team Respawn. EA, I can be mad at. Team Respawn doesn't charge me at all to play this game. They give it to me for free. I don't have to buy a single thing. I have yet to buy a single Apex Legends pack or skin. I, I just haven't done it. The, the reason I can be mad at EA is because EA has a notorious reputation in the, in the community from to um, has, has a reputation for having bad servers. And the reason I, I don't know the reason why they have bad servers. For all I know, they, they could have bought the best servers out there. But here's my thought process on it. EA, a company notorious for being a money-grabbing company, um, for having just terrible games with NHL. I've had friends who've played NHL and told me it was just like a fire waiting to be lit. And all these other games, FIFA as well, known for having terrible servers. And I honestly think it's because EA's cheap. Because they have this reputation. And if this is the case, I was right, 100%. And if it's not, I'll retract my statement. But 
EA doesn't pour enough money into servers, which it's unfortunate, you know what I mean? The main, Apex Legends is a game that is thrives on online multiplayer, you know what I mean? So it would make sense to at least buy average servers, you know what I mean? I've played games like GTA V, um, Need for Speed, for example, I'm just going to focus on GTA V. Probably the most, the highest growing selling game of all time, I believe. Or it has to be at least in the top 10. Um, and I, I think I played that game for two years. And I think I maybe had two or three scenarios where I got kicked out of a game. You know, the graphics obviously aren't as high def and focused on as... Um, Apex Legends, but the world is huge, and that map needs to be constantly loaded and deloaded and loaded and deloaded and loaded for every single player. And there can be up to like thirty or so players in one online match. I've yet to have like serious issues with it. You know what I mean? It just wasn't that hard. The servers weren't bad in GTA Five. The servers weren't bad in Need for Speed. 2K servers, you know, are kind of trash, but they're not on the level of, like, you know, getting into a game with the same people at the same park was a little bit, like, of an issue. It was just, it was just, it was kind of there, you know what I mean? Apex Legends server issue is a glaring issue. It's not kind of there. So, do I, do I think it needs to be fixed? Yes. Do I think it'll be fixed? No. Because people are still going to keep buying Apex Packs. People are going to keep buying Season Passes. You know what I mean? We're in an era where gaming is going to be transaction-based gaming. We're, we're We're doing kind of a full circle here. Instead of paying for your buck and buying a $60 game and doing that, you're now... Putting quarters in a machine. You know what I mean? We're going back to the 1980s, 90s eras of putting quarters in machines and like playing Pac-Man for like a minute and a half or two. And then, okay, you need another quarter. We're, We're going back to that. And that's just not good for the industry. Like in, in the game industry, we're in kind of a serious dilemma. Because games like God of War and Hollow Knight... And, uh, God, what else? Kingdom Hearts aren't necessarily being valued as much as they were before because the the beauty of the Battle Royale system, it's just, it's something that really isn't talked about a lot. I say this all the time. Like, you can't leverage with a free resource. I can never get mad at Apex Legends because they didn't make me pay anything. I don't even have to pay PlayStation Plus to play their game. Everything is absolutely free. So I can't get mad at them. Same thing with Fortnite. I, I'm pretty sure PlayStation Plus was at an all-time low when Fortnite came out. Because no one was paying for it. No one was paying for it because they could play Fortnite for free. Um, the beauty of it is that it is free. 
versus when you're a 10 year old and you see something that's free and it, it's like pop culture, you know what I mean? When Ninja got Drake on, Fortnite just became pop culture after that. It really made a statement because I know every single kid from the age of like 8 to like 13 plays Fortnite. And that's a huge community. That is a huge community. Like children are a huge community in the gaming community. And if you get the young the young supporting cast to switch from Call of Duty, which again costs like $60 because that was like it back in the day, to Fortnite... Then you're building up another, like, era, not not era, another, I guess, draft class, if you will. I'm going to say use the word draft class. Another class of gaming to be built on the idea that it needs to be free. When your main, um, one of your main demographics was that age. So now, I'm, I'm really concerned because... <sighs> Not only are younger children going to be brought up on the conception of that it should be free and I shouldn't have to pay for it, meaning that it's going to make them like not as prone to buy a $60 game. It's also the, the masses, you know what I mean? I have a friend who, um, who doesn't, he doesn't pay for, um, anything unless it's a shooter. He will not play 2K. He won't play any other, like GTA 5. He won't play Need for Speed. He'll only play FPSs. And when Apex Legends came about, he was just on it every single day, every single day, every single day, every single day. And he's like, he told me at one point, like, I might not even buy the next COD. And that just, like, that scares me. Like, if the gaming industry doesn't find a way to either make the best game of all time, right? And usually that's done through graphics nowadays. People don't really care about gameplay as much. It's done through graphics. Or they need to find out a way to replicate the system of making everything free. Because if, if they don't combat this scenario, we're going to have a lot of games... That are battle royale based. You know. I would not be surprised. Actually I might not. I wouldn't be that surprised if it happened. I'd just be a little bit shocked. Like if I saw Kingdom Hearts battle royale. You know what I mean. Because I think that's something that everyone's going to have to. Like if Nintendo made a battle royale. People would be going nuts. You know I would actually like to see that. Like if Nintendo made a. Smash Bros. Battle Royale. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd be going nuts. Um, But do I think that the Battle Royale industry is good for gaming? Yes and no. I have definitely paid less in the past year for video games. Simply because Fortnite and Apex Legends have been taking up a lot of my time. Do I think it's good for indie developers and other game developers? Like... To develop their games? Heck no. Like that's tough. Like it's generally tough. When people. Who, the people who develop Castle Crashers. Or Nintendo. Or um. Sony. Microsoft. All of these big time names. In the gaming industry. Have to acclimate to the climate. You know what I mean? For the next 10 years or so. It's going to be Battle Royale based games. 
because it's free. Not because everybody wants to play it. Well, okay. Not because of the gameplay. Not because of the graphics. I really think people underestimate the idea of free. And until all other game developers and game companies can get away from the microtransactions. I hate microtransactions. That's why I'm not buying NBA 2K20. It's too much of a transaction-based game. I hate it. I don't want to play it anymore. It's just pushed me away from that. Until we can get away from a microtransaction battle royale type of game, I think the gaming industry is in a little bit of a bind. There are still going to be games like Hollow Knight, any any games on the Nintendo Switch that are going to like change the game for sure, but I'm really curious to see where the gaming industry goes in the next couple of years. If you have any comments about what you think the game industry is going to be like in the next 10 years and your input, leave a comment in the description. Subscribe if you're new. Leave a like. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date on new posts and also new videos and clips that I just send out on there if you want to see those as well of Apex Legends and NBA 2K and stuff like that. Other than that, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. It means more than you know. Take it easy.